All right, welcome back. I Guys, I can't tell you how excited I am for this one. Um, this one means a lot because I know how busy this man is and he has a lot on his plate. And for me, it means a lot because he has been a huge mentor of mine and I've only known him two years, uh, maybe not even a year and a half. Uh, so with that being said, I want to introduce Chris Harder. If you don't know who Chris Harder is, uh, he is the brand, the name behind For the Love of Money. He's got an unbelievable podcast called For the Love of Money. It changed my life. Um, he and his wife, Lori, who has also been instrumental in, in my life as well, have ownership or an ownership stake right now in eight different seven or eight, in, uh, seven or eight figure income businesses, which is absolutely phenomenal. So with that being said, Chris, welcome aboard, man. Hey, Andy, my pleasure. So good to be on. How you been? Good. Excellent, man. Um, again, I'm here on a podcast primarily because of you. Um, oh, listen, that's how it's supposed to work, right? Like full circle. Everybody helps with whatever little area of expertise that they have to lend to somebody else that lifts somebody else up and then they lift somebody else up in return. Like this is just the way it's supposed to work. Like for me, this is selfishly loving seeing you do this and, and flourish, man. It's, it's a cool thing to see. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And, and likewise, uh, I knew I liked you from the minute I knew you were a fellow Wisconsinite. So yes, go Brewers, go Packers. <laughs> Even though you're in LA now, I'm in Colorado. We're, we're Wisconsinites at heart. So. I will never lose that Wisconsin blood. I go back to uh, Green Bay a couple times a year minimum every year. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Chris, I'm going to start by saying this. One of the biggest game changers in my life for you, and I don't even know if you remember or were aware of this because it was such a small moment in time, is I was a member of your Fast Foundations Mastermind, which was, again, a game-changing experience for me. And the last night of the first round, we were out at dinner celebrating the, the three days together, and we, we were in conversation. Yep, I and remember. And it was another gentleman, another Mastermind partner along in the conversation. He looked at both of us and Without, with, with, while keeping it clean, you basically said, quit being a wuss and start thinking bigger. Mm -hmm. And this was March of 2019. So yeah. a little over a year ago. And from that moment on, it has, it's amazing where I sit today, May 2020, because of literally because of that comment you made. So again, mm -hmm. thank you. Now for the audience who doesn't know who you are. Yeah. I want you to take us back a little bit. Tell us your story because right now you and Lori are thriving in this, what's about to be next recession, mm -hmm. wasn't the case in 2008, was it? No, not at all, man. So again, thanks for having me on. And you mentioned when you were introducing me that Lori and I have a stake, either sole ownership or partial ownership in eight different seven and eight figure businesses. And so facing this current financial crisis, right? Crisis economy, as I've been calling it, we know what it's like to have team members to lead through it, to have um, employees that you have to keep their, their best, uh, you know, uh, what's good for them at stake, to manage cash flow, to manage pivots, all these other things I know everyone listening is experiencing. And luckily so, as we're going through it right now, we're in the type of position where we're able to say to all of our teammates, hey, not only are you not at risk, like we commit to keeping you on one minimum a one-year minimum, no matter how this unfolds. But we're also going to give each of you additional $1,000 emergency mm -hmm. funds if wow. you have to use them because we know that there's added expenses for you or your family as we navigate 
some of the craziest times of our life, if not the craziest time of our life. Mm -hmm. So that's today, right? And that feels good to be there. But go back like 11, 12 years ago, 2008, 2009, facing a very similar financial crisis, different reasons at that time. And we were on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Now, if today we're entrepreneurs, back then we were corporate through and through. And I should say I. I worked for the world's biggest bank and I thought I would work there forever. And I had fun like navigating hierarchy and navigating uh, promotions and all that stuff. And it was great until the recession hit. And where's the one place that you don't want to be in a banking recession? Well, in banking. And so I went from one of the fastest rising executives in the world's biggest bank to not having a job. I mean, I spent a year flying around, closing down branches, and then it became my turn. Uh, they said, they called me and they said, hey man, you can either have your severance package or you can have a demotion of a demotion of a demotion of a demotion and go ride this thing out at a branch in Jersey. And I was living in Minneapolis at the time. I said, give me the severance package because two things. One, I was so miserable at that point that I knew something had to change. Number two, I was so in over my head financially that the money in that moment, the severance package, which is a multi, multi six figure severance package, seemed like the only logical lifeline to maybe scratching my way out of the situation that I had put us in. Because the great irony is this, when you work in banking, you would think that I would have put us into a really good position, uh, you know, financial position, but I didn't. I was young and arrogant and ignorant. I would come home every year, sometimes twice a year, and be like, hey babe, got a big promotion, we're moving to such and such city, um, pack up the house, I'm getting on an airplane. And I, when you're young, you think it'll last forever, so you don't listen to anybody. And so we disrespected our money back then, and we blew it all on dumb, useless stuff. We had just finished building this great, big, brand new, beautiful home for just the two of us in one of those, you know, McMansion neighborhoods where everyone else had families and they, maybe they had reasons to have their big homes because they had kids. It was just Lori and I, and they looked at us like we we're the young 20 somethings. What are we doing moving into that neighborhood? Yep. And we had a bunch of new cars and we had stuff that has no meaning that was probably bought out of very bored and empty moments. Mm -hmm. Right. And when the music stopped, Andy, we were left holding this bag and this was a bag of nothing but, poor financial decisions and debt. So I took that whole six-figure, multi-six-figure multi uh, service packet and I applied it towards paying off that debt. Mm -hmm. And I applied it towards selling all the cars except for one of them that was so far upside down, Andy, we, it didn't make sense to sell it, right? So we held on to that one. Um, we had to short sell this great big home that we just finished building. And that was before everybody else was short selling their homes. I like to say I made short selling cool. Uh, but all joking <laughs> aside, it was humiliating short selling this home. But what took it a step further than that was I had to list every single possession, every single thing on Craigslist for sale, the furniture, the TVs, the grills, the bags, whatever we had on Craigslist so that I could scratch up enough cash to go start over. Now, here's what it really looked like. I want people to picture this. Um, car after car would pull up and park in front of the house and person after person, couple after couple, they would come marching in through the front door and they would bargain for the couch. They'd bargain for the chairs. They'd bargain for the tables, for the grills, for the TVs, for whatever they wanted. And they would walk out with our possessions out the front door while the neighbors looked on judgingly. That Andy, I can assure you was the most humiliating part of my life up, up to that point. Well, ever up 
up to right now. And while I'm not going to convince anybody that it felt good in the moment, looking back on that point, I can tell you it was one of the greatest moments in my life. Here's why. What I did by sacrificing that ego and selling everything and getting rid of everything, liquidating everything, it gave me a handful of cash that was just enough to go downsize into a, a tiny, less than 900 square foot apartment loft in downtown or actually uptown Minneapolis. And it was there that we were able to prepay that lease with a handful of cash for 12 months and give us the breathing room, give us the runway, give us the space, give us the container to pivot, to choose again, and to reinvent ourselves into how we show up today. And so if anybody is listening right now as we go into this really challenging financial time where there's been 30 million job losses in the U.S. in the last six weeks and, and counting, if anybody feels financial uncertainty, financial fear, fear around their career that they may lose their job, mm -hmm. if anybody feels like they have no options, number one, I know what it feels like. When I teach, when I speak, when I get interviewed like this, it comes from that place of knowing how you're feeling because I've been there, done that. Number two, I want you guys to realize that while it won't feel good right now, you too will be able to look back on this if you make a couple of right moves, and I'm happy to share with, with you, Andy, what those moves are. If you make a couple of right moves, that this could be that success story that you get to tell as a platform for years to come. And, and number three, as I give you guys advice today, as Andy and I have a conversation, I want you to know it comes from a place of having to build businesses. It comes from a place of having to get creative. It comes from a place of having to be resourceful and, and tuck your tail between your legs and get sweaty and get gritty and do extreme things in order to put ourselves in position to then have extraordinary things and be in an extraordinary position. And so if anyone's listening and, and you feel like, man, the odds are stacked against me, it only looks that way, but I promise you, you can navigate through this time and come out one of the great success stories that's going to happen out of this current economy. Because Andy, I'll, I'll kind of end this little rant with this. I assure you that coronavirus will cause more bankruptcies than it will deaths by far, like a thousand one. But I can also tell you that it's going to create more pivots, more brand new solutions, more brand new products, more brand new businesses, more brand new entrepreneurs, and more brand new millionaires coming out the other side of this thing than any other point in our life. And so right now, we're still early enough in this thing where everybody gets to choose which end of the story they want to come out on. You know, Chris, what you said so beautifully right there was, number one, one reason I love your, you and Lori's story is nothing was handed to you. Um, you talked about you've had to build these businesses. You've had to go through the shit <laughs> of building these businesses that you have today. But the other beautiful thing about the moment we are in in this period of t history is I feel like everybody's on a level playing field right now. Like the slate is clean. Yes. Here is your chance to create your futures. But before we get there, for that individual that is when this hit went like this, <gasps> uh-oh, mm -hmm. because they know the decisions they've made with money and purchasing stuff. Yeah. What advice, what two or three things might you give that individual who finds him or herself in that situation right now? There's actually four things. There's four very specific things that you need to do right now if you are anything other than wildly wealthy and abundant, okay? So if you're anything short of that, you need to do these four things when you are facing a crisis economy. And the reason why you have to do these four things 
is the very definition of a crisis economy is a crisis, meaning the most unexpected once in a lifetime things will happen. So here's number one. Number one, you must stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean you must bring your monthly household, your, your monthly business outgo down to the smallest number possible. And I mean, get radical. So this is the time, a very unique time in history where not only do you pull out your bank statements for the past few months and slash every single line item that won't be a part of your comeback story. And not only do you pull up your, your credit card statements, your bank statements, but then also you call your landlords or you call your mortgage company or you call your car loan or your credit card company and you negotiate with them to stop the accrual of your interest because they will say yes to defer three, four, five, six payments and put them on the back of the loan because they will say yes to renegotiate that bloated lease because they will say yes. Cause here's why all of those companies learned in the last downturn 11, 12 years ago that they would rather have a shared sacrifice with you right now through this then hold the line and have you go bankrupt or walk away, leaving them holding the bag. They learned that through the last problem that, that, that's very fresh in everyone's mind still. It feels like it was five minutes ago, right? Just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So they are saying yes to some of the most incredible requests right now. And that's your chance to negotiate your monthly outgo down to the lowest possible number. And when you get that that number down to just a fraction of what your expenditure is right now, then it makes it easier to do number two. Number two is this. Number two is you must find and create three to 12 months runway at any expense. And I want to be really clear what I mean by runway. So most of you listening probably know, but for those of you that don't, runway simply means the number of months that you can remain in business Mm -hmm. um, without taking on another dollar. Okay. Now, why do I say you must, even if you're just, if you work for someone else, you're just running your household. Why do I say you must go out and find 12, uh, three to 12 months runway? Because we are in an economy that is full of surprises. For example, um, all the small business lines of credit by all the new FinTech companies, they went through and they slashed without warning all of the small business lines of credit out there because they had to protect themselves from a liquidity standpoint. So all the small businesses that thought that they had these lines of credit set up to help navigate through this time, they logged in and they had no available credit at all. Surprise, take it a step further. Credit card processing companies now are holding on to that transaction, to your transactions for up to 180 days as a security deposit because when the customer buys something like an event ticket or some coaching and that small business that they bought from goes out of business or isn't able to have that event, guess who's left holding the bag to refund the customer, the credit card processing company. Mm -hmm. So they, without notice, are now holding a lot of that money that's supposed to go from the customer to the entrepreneur or business for up to 180 days. And so you're saying, I sold my products, where's my cash flow? Cash flow that you're counting on. And they're saying, well, check the fine print. We're holding it for security deposit in case you go out of business. Guys, the craziest things will happen, your personal credit cards, They will come through and they will slash any available credit you have right down to what you owe if they haven't already because the banks need to protect themselves and their employees, right? Mm -hmm. And so the reason you need three to to 12 months runway is you need to make sure that you can keep a roof over your head, food in your bellies, your family taken care of, and that you are in position to take advantage of a lot of the opportunities that I'll talk about a little bit further into this interview. 
And most importantly, the reason that you need three to 12 months runway is because it allows you to operate from a place of making good long-term decisions on what will be best for you in the future instead of making decisions from what fires to put up right now. And when you're making decisions from abundance, like, hey, I've got a few months, I've got some breathing room, you make way better decisions than you do from scarcity, like, holy crap, it's the end of the world, uh, which fire do I put up? And so number three, number one, stop the bleeding. Number two, you must, at any expense, go find three to 12 months runway. Oh, by the way, let me add one more thing, number two. The reason I tell my story in the beginning is so you can see that I tucked my tail between my legs and I got rid of everything that I thought meant something to me to get that runway. So I have high expectations that you'll get just as gritty if you want to come out this thing, the other side as a success story. You can always go buy it again, right? Mm -hmm. So number three, number three is you must create an absolute bulletproof locked down routine for yourself, daily routine. Now, if you're listening, you're like, wait a minute. I thought these were money tips. I thought these were financial <laughs> tips. What's this routine stuff? What's this fluff? Guys, this might be the most important one of them all. Here's why. When you are trying to put yourself in position for a comeback, when you are trying to take advantage of opportunity, if you are in a reactionary state, if you are being affected by the negative news, the scary reports, the tragic numbers, your neighbor that lost his job, your family member that got sent home from work, that got a pay cut. I call all of that negative propaganda. When you let that stuff fall in your lap, and we can't avoid it right now, then it's going to cause you to take pause. It's going to cause you to show up with less energy. It's going to cause you to make decisions out of fear and out of scarcity. And so you must be able to control the routine of your day so you can put yourself in position to show up and handle any circumstances that might happen to you to de determine the outcome of those circumstances. So let me give you an example. When I wake up in the morning, the very first thing I do, Andy, is I say, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, more mm -hmm. fit than I was yesterday. A mantra. To some of you, that might seem fluffy. I then roll over to my wife and I shake her by the shoulders and I wake her up and I say, babe, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, more fit than I was yesterday. And I make her say it back to me. And I mean, I make her say it like she means it. And she like kind of loves it and kind of hates it. As <laughs> and then I roll back right back over and I close my eyes. And I just take, I say a really quick prayer of things I'm grateful for. And it's different every day. It's juvenile every day. It's just like making a list of assets you don't normally think of. Things like, I'm so glad that my dog is laying across my feet. I'm so glad that I woke up in a safe home. I'm so glad that I woke up. Uh, I'm so glad that I've got food today. I'm so glad that, like, it's just crazy things, right? But look what I've done in the first 90 seconds of my day because of my bulletproof routine. I have now chosen what colored lenses I'm going to see the morning through before my feet hit the ground. So it's impossible for me to wake up on the wrong side of the bed, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And when you choose what colored lenses you're going to see the beginning of your morning through, then that means that you have a much higher chance of controlling the outcome of the rest of your morning. When you control the outcome of the rest of your morning, you then have increased your chances of controlling the outcome of the afternoon. And when you can control the outcome of your afternoon, you can absolutely control the outcome of your day. And notice I'm saying outcome, not circumstances. Things will still happen to you throughout the day, but you will handle them differently. You will act differently. You'll make decisions differently. You'll show up differently because of your bulletproof routine. And ours doesn't stop in that 90 seconds in the morning, by the way. It then goes on to me going down, grabbing that cup of coffee, and we have a rule that we must read or we must listen to a podcast in the morning, first thing. I call that positive propaganda. And in a crisis economy, you guys, it is your job to seek out more positive propaganda than the negative propaganda that will accidentally fall in your lap. You need to tilt those scales in your favor.
and then we must get our workout in in the morning before anyone else can get a hold of us. We're filling up our cup first before allowing anybody else mm-hmm. to drink from it. We give from the part of our cup that's flowing over. And when you do that, you make all the right decisions. When you do that, you attract all the right people. People want to be your customer when you show up that way. People want to do business with you when you show up that way. People want to be your business partner when you show up that way, right? They want your coaching, whatever it is that you do. So number one, stop the bleeding. Number two, build that runway. Number three, bulletproof routine. What's number four? Number four is we now live in a time and always have quite honestly. Now you guys are just kind of seeing some of the stuff I taught in the past come to fruition. But we're now living in a time where number four is you must invent new income. Andy, I've taught for years now that we must have multiple income sources and you must plan your financial lifestyle so that if any one of them went away today, you would not have to change your lifestyle tomorrow. That's your rule of thumb. That's the goal that everyone should be working up to. Whether you work for somebody, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether it's a mix of both, you need to run your household so that if any one of your income sources went away today, even your biggest one, you would not have to change your lifestyle tomorrow. And if that feels unrealistic to you right now, then it's time to start wrapping your head around how might that be possible. And that's why number four is invent new income. So if you still have a job, you need to invent a side hustle for cushion. If you lost your job, you need to invent new income to replace it. If you have a small business or if you're an entrepreneur or if you lost a bunch of accounts, you need to invent new income to be able to say, never again will I be susceptible to this type of financial situation. And the goal is, like I said, to have enough multiple income sources where if any one of them went away today, you don't have to change a single thing in how you live tomorrow. And Andy, a lot of people get stuck here. They say, well, I don't know what I would do to invent income. There's two really good questions you can ask yourself to get that answer. Number one, all you have to do is ask yourself, what are the brand new urgent needs that are important today because of this new situation Mm -hmm. that weren't important or talked about before? Like hand hand sanitizer, toilet paper, you know, (laughs) face masks, (laughs) face masks, things that nobody gave a shit about before. Right. So what are the brand new needs that exist today that were not very important before? What's urgent now? And number two, how do my past experiences (laughs) or my current skill sets fit into solving one of those needs? When you answer those two things, that becomes your product. I don't care if it's coaching. I don't care if it's widgets. I don't care if it's a machine. That be, the answer to those two questions becomes your product. And that is the first place you go to market in order to invent new income. Well, and what when, I love when you do those four steps, man, I'm telling you, you're setting yourself up to be, to come out the other end of this thing is one of the success stories. Well, and I love what you said there, Chris, cause you can't, you can't ignore the fact for some, you might have to park your ego at the door right now. Yeah. And, and get and putting that tail between the legs and saying, we need to figure something out to get out of this uh, on the right side. But what, what you said that was so important was routine. You know, and, and the clients I coach, I tell them all the time, you can give me the greatest goals in the world and they can sound fluffy and magical. If you don't have the habits or rituals, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think it's easy for a lot of people to look at maybe the situation you and Lori are in right now, mm-hmm. eight, eight, seven, eight, seven or eight, uh, seven figure. It's like a tongue twister, right? Different businesses and they could be how, and they could sit there and go, how nice is that? But what they don't realize is the habits and rituals. Yeah. I call it in sports, in the sports world, the stuff you're doing off the field when no one's watching yep. that makes you successful on the field. Yes. So Chris, let's go flip side now. I love you've been saying the word comeback or the phrase comeback story. 
Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the comeback story now. What if somebody is got that mindset of like, how can I leverage this to, to take off from here? Mm-hmm. And you've got your own story of, of going back to 08, 09 to where you and Lori are here in 2020. What are steps people should be taking if they want to take that next step? Well, so that almost, your question almost picks up right where we left off with invent new income. This is, the world has changed, but so has opportunity. Opportunity never goes away. People always think, oh, we lost opportunity, we lost jobs. Opportunity never goes away. It's just like energy. It changes shape and it changes location. And it's your job to get up and go find what it morphed into and where it went. Because we are, unfortunately, Andy, we are danger-seeking machines, meaning we wake up every day and we're looking for that pterodactyl or that dinosaur behind the bush to protect ourselves because of our two million-year-old brains. Except we don't need that today. You need to retrain your brain from a danger-seeking machine and train yourself to be an opportunity-seeking machine. And when you start looking for the opportunity, you start seeing the opportunities. I'll give you an example. Back in the last recession, uh, remember, Lori and I were broke as a joke. I had a friend, uh, eventually a business partner, that was buying mortgage notes, distressed mortgage notes, from banks for pennies on the dollar. So he would buy let's say a $400,000 mortgage note for a hundred grand. And that home had dropped in value from $400,000 because of the recession down to like 200 grand or maybe 250. And he would buy that note and he would either help the people leave the home by giving them some money or he would refinance it to half of what the note was. And now the homeowners would have a lower payment and he would have significant cash flow. And I remember sitting there, Andy saying, Oh, this is the biggest no-brainer in history. This is like printing money. And I wasn't able to participate in it because I hadn't set myself up to be able to participate in it. And so to answer your question, what do you need to be doing? Step one, step one is set yourself up. It's to stop the bleeding. It's to build the runway. It's to invent new income so that you can then start to have a little bit of cash flow coming in and the smallest amount of cash flow going out so you can start taking advantage of micro opportunities. Hmm. Here's what people don't realize. Andy. In a recession, what everybody is so afraid of, and that is, uh, you know, people being paid less and, and prices of things crashing of homes and all this other stuff. What everybody else is afraid of is what makes opportunists drool. And it's not at the expense of people suffering or hurting. Yep. It's just, it's going to happen anyways. And so you might as well Look and see the opportunity because the world goes on sale. And so if you want to start a business in a recession, guess what? Because the world's on sale, it'll never be cheaper to build a website. It'll never be cheaper to do your sales copy. It'll never be cheaper to run Facebook or Google ads. Those are, run, those are about a quarter of the price right now. It'll never be cheaper to do any of the things that it takes to build the income producing machine that then can take advantage of the other end of the recession because what's on the other end of a recession? Mm-hmm. Years and years of upward growth. Yep. So if you're going to build, if you're going to pivot, it's the cheapest time to do it in a recession because the world's on sale. If you're going to invest in real estate, it's the cheapest time to do it because real estate crashes. Andy, we're going to see a commercial and, and retail real estate crash like what the residential one was 11 years ago. Yep. And that's, we're already seeing it. Uh, Neiman Marcus filing for bankruptcy. Um, Nordstrom announced 16 store closings today as we record this. Yesterday, um, J. Crew went bankrupt. Uh, restaurants have been hit the hardest 50%. I saw a few, few different articles that said 50% of restaurants, especially mom and pa owned restaurants 
will never open their doors again. Wow. So I want you to think about all of the commercial space, all the retail space. So then we had Warren Buffett with his annual meeting yep. saying office space will now plummet because people have realized I can do good work from home mm -hmm. and I don't want to go back. And bosses have realized, hey, my team is doing just fine from home. Why am I paying for this office Correct. space? So now office space will plummet. Supply and demand, right? Yep. But this will turn into opportunity for everybody watching. Because let's say you want to start a gym. Now you can get that space for your gym at half price, half the lease of what it was when we were in a bubble. Let's say you want to start a cute storefront. Now you get to get that storefront that was once 10 grand a month for probably four grand a month. The world is in your favor when you are making a pivot or starting up or seeking opportunity in a recession. You know, um, I think something you just brought up that's so important right now, and it's actually a personal, has had a personal impact on me is it wasn't that long ago that I had a very limited mindset around money. Mm -hmm. And I think right now, a lot of people are just viewing the loss of money mm -hmm. versus all the abundance we still have. And so I have to be honest, if it weren't for, you know, back in summer of 2018, when yeah. I started listening to your For the Love of Money podcast, and I, mean, I gotta be honest, you said things on there I did not wanna hear, but I needed to hear it. That has put Amy and I in a different position with money right now that we wouldn't, if, if this situation had happened the summer of 2018, I think we'd be sitting here in a much very different position than we are right now. Wow. And that's because of the word abundance. And I always say a requirement to get on my podcast, Chris, is you have to have an abundance mindset. I love that. So before we wrap up the podcast, I want you to go there because one of your philosophies that I absolutely love is when good people do good things, they, or when people, good people make good money, they do great they do things. things. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about your philosophy around giving, philanthropy, and what that means to give before you want anything in return. Well, giving is the secret to everything you want. So here's, what, here's when I realized that. I've always, I mean, since I was a little kid, Andy, I've always known two things to be true. Number one, I was taught at an early age um, that you're not supposed to covet nice things, right? That's, I grew up in the Midwest. It's very much a Midwest way. Yep, absolutely. Number two, I knew deep down in my soul that I loved nice things. I was the little kid that just, I only wanted to play with like the Mercedes and the Jaguar when I was like six years old. I didn't want to play with any, any normal cars. I used to make my parents take me through uh, the beautiful neighborhoods where we grew up, like where all the, the supposedly mansions are, to just drive through them and look at them when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. So I was drawn to nice things, but I was taught you're not supposed to covet them. And then the other half of that was I was taught at an early age to be generous, to be giving. I remember my parents uh, in church would let us boys, my brother and I, put the money in the offering plate. Mm. We'd put a little more cash in than the average family. And then at brunch afterwards, they would explain to us why that's important and why we give the way we do. And by the way, we were in a rich family, middle class, maybe upper middle class in the Midwest, professional type family growing up, right? Mm -hmm. um, I remember at that very same brunch, multiple times where the bill would come and my mom would harass my dad to tip more than he did. And they would explain to us boys, or they would let us boys figure out the tip. Um, they would explain that this is a server that has left their family or might be working a second or third job so that they can wait on our family. And so when we give them an extra few dollars, it, we won't feel the extra few dollars, but to them, it's a 
compliment of job well done or I see you or I appreciate you. And then guess what? That generosity creates a trickle down effect. So that server now might've been having a bad day. We tip them better than average. They now are happier at the next table. Someone at that next table is now happier when they leave. That person who's happier when they leave, they may give a homeless person like some, like it causes a positive chain reaction. Generosity um, causes more generosity, right? And so growing up, I had these, these thoughts, these beliefs in me, but it wasn't confirmed until a few years ago when I was reading 30 books in 30 days. And um, that's a whole nother story in itself. <laughs> but to summarize, when I read 30 books in 30 days five years ago, my only criteria was this. The books had to be less than 300 pages, so I had a shot at finishing them. <laughs> and they had to improve me in some way. And I mean, it was the most random line of books as self-improvement or seven steps of this or the five ways to this or fables or biographies or, you know, like it was such a mixed bag of books. But halfway through, I remember being in bed, finishing the book and looking over Lori and saying, babe, you're not gonna believe this. But even though all these books are so different from each other, there's a common thread so far that no matter what the book is trying to sell me, giving is a great big part of accomplishing whatever that book is trying to prove. Yep. And I started looking for that common thread. And guess what? It held true through all 30 out of 30 books. Giving is a secret to everything you want. Think about it. Want a better relationship? Andy, give more to it. More yes. time, more presence. Want a better body? Give more to your workouts. Give better fuel to it. Want a better bank account? Give more effort to your business. Give more effort to planting financial seeds that turn into crops, right? Giving is the secret to absolutely everything you want. And people naturally want to work with and do business with people that they see are giving individuals. There's a law of reciprocity. It subconsciously takes hold. And if two identical salespeople and two identical, with two identical products are selling something and one person is known for being generous, generous or giving, that'll be the person who wins every single time. Mm -hmm. We're just naturally drawn to people that do good things. And so it's a snowball that starts to work in your favor. Well, and you brought uh, what you just said too. I, I don't want people to overlook because I'm hearing this a lot right now. When this all hit and people were sent home, some people were furloughed, laid off. I felt like there was a lot, there were so many employees who immediately went to, what is my employer going to do for me? Yep. When reality is start here, yep. start with yourself and figure out what can I do to be and bring as much value as I can. And the other side of that too, Chris, with the abundance mindset around money, if you are in a position right now where you can afford to buy and spend, I feel like you almost have an ab obligation to do that right now. Yeah. Don't let money stop flowing through the system. Mm -hmm. Support those restaurants, support those, those, those gyms or whatever might be open that are just trying to survive right now and keep the money flowing through the economy. We need that more than anything. We do because you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution, right? Exactly. To be a part of the problem means you're not selling and you're not buying. To be a part of the solution means you're selling unapologetically so other people feel like they can and you're buying so other people can you know, enter the, yep. the circle of consumption the way it's supposed to work. You're either going to lengthen the recession or you're going to shorten it based on a chain reaction you personally start. All right. Well, to wrap it up here, I got two last questions. Okay. Um, number one, this is an easy one. You're a reader. I'm a reader. Right now, if somebody is out there and they, they did have that uh-oh kind of moment with everything that has happened, what is a book you would recommend they should be reading right now? Oh, man. There's a couple. 
There's one that Lori and I read aloud to each other in bed when we were reinventing ourselves financially. And it's a juvenile, cheesy book, but it works. And it's called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And it changed everything for us by T. So read that one. And the other one I would recommend is You Are a Badass at Making Money um, by Jen Sincero. Yep. Uh, those two books are excellent books. And then the third one I'd recommend, if you really want a, like a, a better financial education, is either Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, although I don't agree with all of his principles. He, go, he goes a little too far on the scarcity side, in my opinion. Yep. Um, and also Tony Robbins' book, Unshakable. Those are some of the best financial educations out there to get the basics. And for a quick hack or a quick tip, Jens and Cheryl's book, if you can, do the audio. Because yeah. the way it is narrated, it is better than hell. It's good. Uh, and so um, last but not least, Chris, you have been such an influence in my life as a mentor, a coach, um, a guide. If somebody is listening and they wanted to reach out to you and they wanted to work with you on their money mindset or growing their business, they're an entrepreneur, what are the best or easiest ways to get in touch and work with you? Uh, one, thank you for that. Uh, I would say there's two ways. If you want to work on your money mindset, I've got a course called The Money Principles that thousands of people have taken and like radically changes how they behave and how they think with money. It's a really easy course to take. Um, and because of the situation that the world's in, we cut the price in half and we made it where if you enroll, you get to gift one to anybody else that you care about for free. So you can get that course at thetruthaboutmoney.com, thetruthaboutmoney.com. The other thing, if you really want to work personally with me, so I run a mastermind uh, that's an elite level mastermind for seven figure earners and up. And part of that mastermind is um, I will give them a two hour deep dive in when they first join, where we dissect their business and create a, a very strategic path to their new goals, right? Well, I've never made that two hour session possible outside of the mastermind. But when this thing hit and I saw everybody pivoting, I decided to make it publicly accessible for, if, for people that want their two hour strategy sessions. Now here's the problem. We are in a, for like you've worked with me before, I get paid $4,000 an hour for, for coaching. And we're in a time where people are making a pivot. They're not pivoting because they're flush with cash. No. So I felt like my way, you asked about giving before, my way of really paying that forward was I slashed two thirds off of my rate for that two hours. Uh, and it's, so it's the most affordable way you could ever get the, some of the world's most, you know, incredible strategy for your comeback plan. And uh, you can get that at fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash strategy. I'll tell you, I took advantage of it myself. Yeah, you so got me coming up, man. Be, I can't wait. I'm excited to be jumping on a call with you. Well, Chris, thank you again. If, if you're out there um, and you are in a tough position right now, as Chris mentioned, number one, Empathy is, is so important right now. People are struggling. We are aware of that. But at the same time, you have to view this as an opportunity. It's a clean slate. Now is the time to completely rewrite your future and to do it. A pro if you're going to come out the backside of this successful, it starts with your mindset. And I think yes. one of the biggest areas people have to work on their mindset is their, their feelings, their emotions tied to money. Yep. And so, Chris, with that being said, I just want to thank you again. Man, listen, my pleasure. I know how much you care about your audience. And I know it's a real vote of confidence when you invite somebody on. So yep. the pleasure is mine and thank you. And, and I'm honored. So till next episode, guys, take care, go out. Remember when confidence and clarity collide, action happens.